Bro, we just recorded with Robert Kiyosaki, and I'm hyped out of my fucking mind. Was it better than you did, than you expected? I almost canceled because, as you can see, for the people on the show, I'm, I'm in Belize. I'm on vacation. I was supposed to go um, repelling off of waterfalls. And I was like, you know, Robert Kiyosaki wrote this great book a, a decade ago that changed my life. But, um, you know, it's just a show, whatever. I'll just skip it. I want to I want to live my life. And I didn't do that because I'm committed to the Military Millionaire podcast and my good friend David Prey. And I was here and I would have and I'm so hyped. I'm so glad I stayed. This was the best show we've ever done. This guy delivered more than I could have ever expected. He is raw. Yeah, we should actually put up straight up mad trigger warnings. Yeah. If you are if you got thin skin, I told uh, David, don't, don't watch. <laughs> don't cut nothing. Just leave it raw as fuck. Um, but you know what? The number one theme of this show, the number one theme is um, people will say he's offensive. People will say uh, he's doom and gloom. People will say a lot of things, but nothing that you can say can affect his life because he has true financial freedom. And that's the most important theme. And that is what a lot of people prevents people from doing podcasts or doing content or putting their, you know, doing their do anonymous posts or they don't put out content because they're like my boss, all these things, or they have opinions that they won't share because they're afraid of social media or the social pushback. And all of it comes down to financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. He's, he made the joke a couple of times about, well, I've got an airplane and a bunch of cash, so I'm good. What are you going to do? And it, I, yeah, that's really hard to argue with. Dude, um, a lot of people are not going to agree with his opinions. I don't agree with all his opinions. He's got polarizing language. He's got um, a lot of political. Um, um, yeah, this is the most political like podcast we've done. But most of it's buzzwords. He's not. He, a lot of it's just buzzwords and it sounds polarizing. But, you know, he had polarizing language, but not very polarizing ideas. And. Um, Dude, I'm I'm hyped for the show. I I uh, I thought he would be, to be straight up honest, I thought he'd be kind of. Uh, people say he's crazy. I don't think he's crazy at all. I think he's lucid. I think he's just uh, he's got a polarizing style, and he can do so because he has financial freedom, and that incites me to go get my financial freedom even harder, so that I can say more and more ludicrous polarizing shit. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did not did not disappoint at all. This was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And hopefully we can get him back on at some point and, uh, and yeah, getting him to come talk to the war room and it's going to be good times. He's, he's, I uh, bet you'll say yes. We're going to mark it on your calendar. Let's ask him to be back on for a one year anniversary. In fact, let's ask him to be on every year, an annual. Yeah. A year from now, we can be like, all right. So the market ended. Uh, the world's doomed. Now what? Or you're you right. Or now what? Or not. Or it'll or keep not. going. And, I, and I'm going to say, why are you so wrong? <laughs> oh my gosh yeah you guys are in for a treat this is a good episode so uh uh yeah the trigger warning's up if you're uh if you're sensitive you're gonna be offended it is what it is think of it from a holistic rather than a uh pc political view good stuff. yeah and, and if you're offended well this probably ain't the show for you anyway we're pretty offensive i think I try to be yeah I understand now though if you listen to the bigger pockets episode with him i understand why the intro for that one is basically a whole bunch of like warnings to like, don't even we in you if <laughs> even we did it. That's so sad. Even we had to do a trigger warning. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, uh, I don't think anybody who listens to the military manager podcast, um, I think it's all veterans or people who identify with the military culture. So uh, nobody probably needs a trigger warning, but it is fun to give one uh, ironically. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't disappoint. I don't think it will. I think this was a really good episode. Yeah, David, just want to say thanks. Great job. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, 
this was my favorite episode. I'm, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful to be, to be part of this community and part of this show. And you're lucky to have me as a host. Of course. You're very lucky to have me as a host. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. without, without you, what would I do with myself? Yeah. Uh, so, all right. But, uh, sounds like you have some zip lining to do. Yeah. I'm going to go rappel off a waterfall. Yeah. Sounds, sounds rough. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle 1, you're cleared to depart friendly lines. Roger. Vic One, Oscar Mike. What's up, guys? Today, I want to give you a quick shout out from our sponsor, me, and the No BS Guide to Military Life. So I just wanted to touch on this real quick because I don't mention this book enough, uh, and I'm not necessarily trying to sell it to you. You can go download the book for free on my website. There'll be a pop-up that shows up and says, hey, join our email list. You can get the book for free, PDF, boom. Uh, you can also order the hard copy. I'm a fan of how the hardcover came out. I think it came out really nice in the soft cover. But this book was written for anybody, uh, military veteran alike, who wants to learn about how to build wealth using military benefits and uh, military uh, just opportunities to your advantage. But I will say that it was definitely written with the idea of somebody who is just joining the military. And it kind of goes chronologically through what I think would most benefit you learning at an early age, like your thrift savings plan all the way up through VA loan, building wealth with real estate, and then personal finance, entrepreneurship, uh, personal development, growth, the journaling, goals, uh, and transitioning out of the military, right? This was everything I learned while I was deciding whether to stay in, go reserves, get out. Uh, I went reserves. And so this book is uh, written with you in mind. It's not a sales push. It's an actual like 250, 260 page book that is here to help you as a service member veteran learn how to build wealth. So go check it out. You can download it for free or go to Amazon or go to FromMilitaryToMillionaire.com slash book. I hope it helps. Let me know. What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Perret, and I am with my co-host, Alexander Felice, who is hanging out in Belize on this wonderful afternoon. And today we have the privilege of bringing Mr. Robert Kiyosaki, the author of a book you probably have heard of, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that a lot of us attribute to, uh, myself included, to even just opening my eyes to beginning to even think about real estate and cash flow and passive income uh, and the entire, uh, I believe they call it purple, purple library of uh, rich dad books as uh, was some of the first stuff that I ever read when looking into real estate and cash flow and assets and really just started me on this journey towards financial freedom. So uh, this is an honor for me and a lot of fun. So uh, Robert was a Marine as well. He's a helicopter pilot. And uh, so we share that, that, that little bond and, uh, and I'm just, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Robert, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And nice to meet the two of you. And um, anyway, uh, I'm honored to be a part of your program. What What do you guys do? I mean, how who's your, who's your target audience and what in that area? Yeah. So the military millionaire community, uh, we help service members, vets, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate. Uh, we try to teach the, the right way to use the VA loan to, to buy houses that if you're going to live somewhere, you can buy uh, like a fourplex and rent out the other units to pay for where you live. And, and uh, Alex does, we've both done some, some syndications. We both own a lot of uh, buy and hold real estate. We've done, uh, Alex does some house flipping. And so we just try to teach service members how to use, uh, 
primarily real estate's the focus, but how to build wealth, you know, how to use the advantages that they're given to to benefit them. By cash flow, baby, cash flow. Yep. That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Alexander, what's your background? I mean, uh, I did uh, I did four years in the army, as I'm known to say. Uh, you know, I did two tours in Afghanistan, so a little war goes a long way for me. Uh, I went into banking because I wanted to learn money. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2005, and I got to tell you, it meant nothing to me at the time. And then I, I found myself in a financially bleak situation, and the one thing that rung in the back of my head was passive income, bro. Stop trading labor for income. And then um, when I was ready, you know that old saying, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Um, I had that book in the back of my head for about six years before it really pinged me. And now I, I recognize it as one of the most influential um, shaping of, of my financial future. Free cash flow, passive income. And that's, that's my investment strategy through and through. Uh, I did banking for a while and now I, I'm a full-time real estate investor. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And uh, congrats, congratulations for taking action because, you know, that's the hardest part. There's a lot of people have ideas or they talk a lot but they don't do anything. And um, so I, I'm honored and uh, I'm thank you for reading my book. If I could talk about something right now, because uh, this is uh, what's November something, November 10th coming up is a Marine Corps birthday and I'm launching my latest book in a place called Braze Island, South Carolina. And um, it's going to be a four star and a three star there. And um you know, the, the reason I mentioned that is the reason I wrote Capitalist Manifesto and the same reason I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad is that as, uh, as a Marine pilot, I didn't fight for the Republicans or Democrats. And I didn't fight for liberals or conservatives. I just fought for our freedom. And what really disturbs me today, the reason my latest book, Capitalist Manifesto, is coming out in a few days is because our freedoms are being taken away. And that incenses me. It just absolutely pisses me off. And um, I don't know how many guys you've killed, but uh, I'll kill for freedom. I really don't care. You mess with my freedom, like take Second Amendment or First Amendment, you're messing with somebody here. And so I'll give you a little my background and where this whole thing came from is I was a little uh, punky surfer kid in Hawaii. I wasn't going anywhere in life. So I applied to the U.S. Naval Academy and U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. And I took U.S. Merchant Marine Academy um, back in 1965. And not, be, not that I was against the Navy or anything, but King's Pointers in New York are the highest paid graduates in the world. So back in 1969, when I graduated as a class of 69, um, Navy ensigns were making 200 bucks a month and my class A break making 120,000 a year tax free. So um, King's Point had it all over Naval Academy as far as I was concerned. But I made the tragic mistake of talking to my English, kind of a quasi-English economics teacher. He was a West Point graduate, B-17 pilot, PhD from Harvard. And so I'm, I graduated in 69. I got this high paying job with Standard Oil of California. And so, this, you know, it's a dream. You get this high paying, you got, you're going to climb to the top. You'd be a ship's captain someday. And I, I only had to work seven, seven months out of a year. It was a perfect job. But that SOB West Point graduate twists my 
little brain and he tells me what it was like to fly in combat. And so I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> Which is the, the second highest paying job in the world, by the way. Yeah. So I, and it was the best, I, you know, I, I thought I beat the damn Naval Academy guys. So I got the $200 a month. I had to forfeit. I didn't get as paid as much as with Standard Oil. I got paid 47.5 a year. Which was not bad in 1969, you know, but back then, and my classmates making 120K a year. So it was the best decision of my life. And I look upon it. I took the uh, Marine Corps, went to Camp Pendleton, I mean, Pensacola, then Camp Pendleton, then um, Vietnam. And so that's with that background, I wrote Capitalist Manifesto, which comes out November 10th, because as I said, our freedoms are being taken away. And uh, I'm not blaming Biden or anything like this. This has been going on for quite a while. And so when I was flying, uh, I, I was a carrier-based pilot. And uh, we, I, I flew the gunship. So I escorted the 46s and the 53s, the Jolly Greens. And so we, we always had two gunships and like four, four 46s and two 53s. And we, we just flew in formation with them, picking up anybody who took fire we, when we took fire. And all of a sudden, I could see with my English teacher, quasi-economics teacher, who had us read Capitalist, No Communist Manifesto, had us read uh, Stalin, had us read Hitler, had us read Mao. I realized America was already communist. You know, I'm flying along the beach, flying up the way, Citadel, and I see all these burned out French chateaus. And I went, holy mackerel, is that the future of America? So that it was a French French Indochina Riviera all along in Vietnam, and so a few a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I'm driving to my office in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the place looked like Vietnam. You know, the place was burned out. Neiman Market was boarded up. Apple was boarded up, and I'm going. Communism has already infiltrated America, so that's why I wrote this book, Capitalist Manifesto, that comes out in a few weeks. But I fight for our freedom, and our freedoms are being stolen. And one of the biggest freedoms we have is the freedom from needing a job. And you know, I have, um, you know, like, like a lot of pilots won't fly because they won't take the jab. They're firing nurses because they won't take the jab. You have to wear masks, social distancing. Well, that's all fascism. And so the reason I'm happy to be talking to you guys is because if you can gain financial freedom, fuck them. It's the ultimate don't fuck with me attitude I have. I'm a Marine. I don't really give a shit. You know, I have, I have a Lear 60. I have millions of dollars stored outside the United States legally. I do everything <laughs> legally. And if they fuck with me, I'm out of here, man. That jet will go anywhere. So it's an, I have an attitude problem, and I really thank the U.S. Marine Corps for my attitude problem. <laughs> and that's why I commend anybody in the military, because if you've gone through the bullshit the military puts you through, it's the best discipline you can have. Because to be successful in life is discipline. It is the most, you know, it is the most important thing you can do. The, the freedom anyway, that's why I'm happy to talk to you guys and keep up the good work. I say the freedom to only have to work on what you want, when you want, and where you want is uh, 
It's a, it's a good place to be, right? You shut everything down and you can just disappear. I know Alex and I've talked about this a few times where he, he kind of jokes with people about how like, Oh, you can't afford me. And it's like, well, he doesn't mean you can't afford him so much as like, you can't, I don't know. Alex says it better than I do, but like, you can't buy his freedom. Um, you know, Robert, I, uh, I, I think in this day and age, some of your opinions would be controversial to some people, but I think the idea that financial freedom is actual freedom. I think that uh, is a resounding, like a really profound idea that people underappreciate, especially people who, um, for lack of a better term, you know, they want to rely on the dole outs of the government. And so people who say, um, you know, we can argue, or I'd say people would argue with you about being freedoms being taken away, whether they're right or not, isn't my point. My point is, um, if you have enough money that you can tell everybody in the world to go fuck themselves, then the, the, the conversation is now moot right? It's like, there's nothing you can take away from me. And so once you're reliant on somebody else's decisions to guide your life, you have, you have given up your freedom, whether you agree about what, what should be done with that freedom or not. Um, you've given it up. And I wholeheartedly agree with you with that, with that aspect. Yeah. Job security is slavery. When you think about it and there's black lives matter and Antifa and, you know, I, I get called a white supremacist. I look in the mirror, I'm still not white. But I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, racist and all this stuff, you know, I go, what happened to America? What happened to our freedom? So that was a long time ago. In 96, I created the cash flow board game. And uh, this is, if I could plug it here. Plug it. Plug this it. Is, this is the board game, you know. I've got the uh, the kids version for my my yeah. little one. Well, the kids version really the Marine Corps version because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even, I can't even fight you on that one. Bunch of <laughs> bunch of crayon eaters, bunch of crayon I, eaters. <laughs> I have I have gone through many a cash flow board game night, uh, just because it's it's a fun game to play with friends. Yeah, well, let me let me take the time to explain the logic behind of it. Okay, absolutely. So in the real world, this is where you go to school and you get stuck on the rat race. You know, go to school, get a job, work hard, hope for, hope your 401k is there. But the fast track, and there really does exist a fast track. And in, so when I was, uh, when I came back from Vietnam in 73, I, my poor dad wanted me to just get a job and fly for the airlines. And I'd be a prisoner of war then, you know? And besides, you don't want me flying your airliner because it would be a, I'm a helicopter pilot. And I, I bet you'd be exciting. It'd be exciting flight. (laughs) Yeah. If if I'm not, if I'm not hitting treetops, I'm too high. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I wanted to come out on to the fast track and most people, even like my poor dad, a PhD really didn't know there was such a thing as a fast track. And the reason I created the board game is the only way you can get on the fast track is it takes this. This is called a financial statement. So this is income, expense, asset liability. So when you go to school, they focus you here. So if you're a doctor or lawyer or employee, you focus on income and expenses. What the rich or the capitalists focus on is balance sheets. And 99% of people leaving school, even the PhDs with MBAs, do not know it's the balance sheet is what the rich hang out on. 
So the only way you get to the fast track, which is why I created this game with my wife in 96, the way you get onto the fast track is through the balance sheet. And so it was basically teaching financial literacy, you know, the vocabulary of money is that I, I wanted assets about what schools teach you as your house is an asset when it's really a liability. And the other insane thing they teach you in school is that if you cooperate, it's called cheating. Well, I cheated all the time. You know, like when, I, when, I, when, I, when I climbed in with my crew, I, you know, I had two gunners, a little gunship, two pilots, two gunners, and a, and a uh, crew chief. We were a team. We cooperated. But in school, that's called cheating. And as soon as they left off, you know, two other birds join in tight. Then we joined the, the, the mediums, the CH-46, or the Chinooks in the Army. And then we picked up on the Jolly Greens. And the military always teaches you to cooperate. But in school, the people that cooperate are called cheats, crooks. And so that's why I have no respect for school. That's why I'm glad I went to military school. I didn't go to Snowflake College, you know, and do that stuff. And, and I learned, and, I, and when I was in Vietnam, uh, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standards of 71. So I said, Jesus, I don't even know what gold is. And so I'm reading the map. I'm on the carrier, LPH3, Okinawa. And I find this map of Vietnam, and it says a little pick and shovel with AU, gold mine. I said, oh, my God, maybe I can get gold at a discount. You know? There was only one problem was the gold mine was now behind enemy lines. But being Marines, we're not the brightest guys on earth. We figured we could get in quickly and get out. So my first, my first mission is a, my first deal looking for gold. We fly behind enemy lines and we, I walk up to this little shack and there's this woman there she's selling gold and the Vietnamese had red teeth, you know, cause they chewed betel nuts. And I saw so gold was at that, that day was 50 bucks, you know, and it was floating from 35 to 50. So I was a little late on the market timing. So I, I offered her 40 bucks for the, for her gold. And she just gives him the shitty grin, like, fuck you, it's 50 bucks. And I said, no, 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 I'll pay you 40. She goes, fuck you, 50 bucks. And then she taught me a new word. It was called spot. I said, what is spot? And we didn't know. But spot is the price of gold that day all over the world. And, you know, they don't teach you that in school. And, and, and then I realized that maybe she was the best teacher I ever had. She's probably about, you know, five foot one and little red teeth. But she was same, telling me to wake up. But she was telling me the same thing my rich dad was telling me because my rich dad never went to school. He says, you're being lied to by your own school system. You know, and look what happened just uh, last night in uh, Virginia. People are protesting the communists who are teaching school today. You know, this whole thing, Black Lives Matter, I'm, I'm not against blacks and, or trannies and all that stuff. You can, you know, who you have sex with is up to you, not me. Do you know what I mean? But they're brainwashing our kids. So that's why I wrote the book, Cap, Cap, uh, Capitalist Manifesto. Comes out November 10th, but I'm, I'm still fighting communists. 
and I and I hate to say this, but most school teachers are communists. They don't know it though, because they never studied, you know, the Communist Manifesto. They never studied Hitler. They never studied Mao. And you guys know who's killed the most people in all the whole world? Communists. You know, we go in there, we take care of them. But I think Mao killed like 60 million, Stalin killed 120 million, Hitler killed 18 million. And we go in there, we just take care. We, we take names and come home. But that's why I still fight for our freedom. But this is the ticket to freedom. You've got to have a financial statement. Otherwise, you can't get free. You're a slave for job security and a pension. And of worst of all, this stupid thing called a 401k or an IRA. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's called slavery. <laughs> If they really wanted you to use a 401k to get rich, they wouldn't limit the amount of money you could put in it every year. What's that? If they really wanted you to get rich, wealthy, of an IRA or a 401k, they wouldn't limit the amount of money that you could put into it every year. Uh, you know, I, I really look, the reason I don't like the 401k, the IRA is what's called taxes, and you have no control over the asset. Yeah. When you, sure. when, when, you know, even if you buy a duplex, you have some degree of control. But the most important thing about real estate is debt, because I can use debt as money, and I don't pay taxes. So my whole game has been, you know, the cash flow board game is get onto the rat, get out of the rat race, get onto the fast track. And, you know, uh, this year alone, I borrowed 300 million bucks. And the average guy goes, but you're supposed to get, get out of debt. And, you know, that's that Dave Ramsey stuff, which if you're if 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 you're an idiot, you should not be in debt. You should cut up your credit cards. You know, Susie Orman now says this, she cuts up her credit cards. I think she cuts her credit card up on uh, what is it called? Public television. I think I'm being circumcised or something. <laughs> I go, what are you doing? Cut up my credit card. <laughs> but, hey, Robert, let me ask, let me ask you a question. Um, everybody knows you as the real estate guy. And if they're any paying any attention, then they, they know that you're advocating for cash flow real estate, which I believe in. Lately, I think people have seen you talk a lot about gold, silver, and Bitcoin, which um, I don't and disagree with, but why haven't you pushed for as much real estate lately? Is it, is the, is it just the market or is it, has your opinion changed in general? Well, everything, everything is opposite of what, you know, there's always three sides to every coin, heads, tails, and edge. And intelligence is you stand on the edge. And the trouble with academics today is there's only one side, and it's communist. You know, our school, our school teachers are Marxists, they're hardcore Marxists. It makes me sick. But anyway, this here is a, is a uh, gold eagle. Today it's, you know, I paid, my first one I bought, I paid 50 bucks for. Today is about 1800. But the reason I recommend gold, silver, and Bitcoin is because in financial literacy, there's no counterparty risk. Let me, let me show you another picture here. Can you, can you explain what that means? Yeah, this is a Zimbabwe 10. Uh, <laughs> Zimbabwe knows about inflation. Let me tell you what. Right, they do. They, they understand it. He went there. I, I, I wouldn't even. I did, I, I, my, my senior thesis was on Robert Mugabe and uh, the inflation, the hyperinflation of Zimbabwe. So I know very well. Yeah, we're, we're going there now, though. You I agree. I, I agree with you 100 percent. And that's why I want to have this conversation. Yeah. I, I, I'm well I'm well studied in macroeconomics. Yeah. So let me so let me explain counterparty risk. 
The counterparty on this thing was Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe. The same as the US dollar, the counterparty is Biden and Janet Yellen of the, tre of the Treasury and then Powell of the Fed. The counterparty in fiat money is the government. The counterparty on a piece of gold is God. Now, who do you trust more, God or Biden? So I save gold, silver, Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is people's money through the blockchain and the, the network system. I just don't trust the dollar. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the Fed, and I don't trust Wall Street. So that's why I would rather, as an entrepreneur, I would rather start my own businesses, which I do, and I invest my money because I use debt. When I, Let's say I make a million dollars in my business. Then my job is to go, this, this is how it shows up. Let's say I make a million dollars in rich debt here. The trouble is I'll be taxed. And my game is to make as much money as possible and pay no tax legally. So I make a million dollars here. Then I've got to borrow $4 million here on the liability side, which steps me up to a basis of $5 million in the asset class here. And the $5 million offsets the $1 million and I pay no tax. So that's why this year alone, I borrowed 300 million bucks, all of it tax-free, but they don't tell you that in school. And I do it legally and people say, well, you can't do that. This is done all over the world. It's done all over the world. If you live in Canada, you can do it. Japan, you can do it. Asia, I mean, Europe, you can do it. But without financial education, this is how they get you, it's tax. And it was a person, it was a person called Karl Marx, this is the best way to destroy people is by taxation and inflation. So what is Biden doing right now? He's gonna print another 5 trillion, who count, who's counting anymore? They want inflation, but the only way they can offset the debt from here is by taxing you. So we're so I don't think America's long. I think we're going we're going down into a depression pretty soon, and they they're, they're pumping as much money as possible, which is good for real estate guys, and the stock guys. In the short term, short term. But I'm I'm so I'm just upset that you know the communists are now in charge of America. It it makes me happy to hear you phrase it though in the wording of i took on 300 million dollars worth of debt this year right because even people who are in real estate often don't talk about right they talk about how much they purchase they don't talk about the debt side and i'm in kind of a weird obviously it's not 300 million dollars worth yet yet um but i'm in i'm in a boat right now where i'm pretty much locking up every bit of long-term fixed rate debt that i can because of inflation. So I had someone comment the other day on one of my videos. It was like, oh, you know, are you worried about inflation ruining the real estate market? And I was like, actually, uh, I'm worried that I'm not going to get enough properties under long-term fixed debt before that happens because real estate is, you know, inflation's inflation's really a pretty good thing for the real estate market, at least in the short term. Um, so well, it's also good for the stock market, but I would... And, and the reason I support what you guys are doing is because real estate is illiquid. In other words, if you buy a piece of property, you can't sell it fast if it goes down. But with let's say I buy Amazon or Apple, 
if I buy it tonight, let's say 100 bucks and it drops to 50 tomorrow, I'm out at 50. I'm out. But real estate, the trouble with real estate, it's a long-term hold. It's not liquid. And you're going to ride that baby down. So I support anybody like, you know, I guess you guys know deeper pockets and all that stuff. And anybody that's teaching financial education, you've got to be smarter to be in real estate than in the stock market. Any idiot can buy a stock, but you better be pretty, pretty smart and savvy and aware of what's going on if you're going to buy real estate. Uh, I agree with that. Are you trying to say that you don't think Tesla is has a market cap worth more than all the other <laughs> car companies in the world combined or is it is it just is it just mania due to inflation <laughs> well I, I i think you guys know what's going on you know there uh, i i have a printout picture of the tulip mania chart in my conference room and i look at it every day and i'm like yep <laughs> and, and we're pretty close to it right now because if if this if the fed goes to uh crypto the you know the crypto dollar the Bitcoin dollar, U.S. dollar. I think that's going to happen. Is that what you think is going to happen? Uh, I'm just saying, if it happens, we we mm -hmm. go to Zimbabwe. You know, yeah. so uh, is it like like modern monetary theory? What they're talking about, where debt they just they just say, hey, we have a new economic system. We can print as much money as we feel like now. Well, the I, MMT. I don't trust them. And all, all I'm saying is, if they go to the the U.S. crypto, the the Fed the Fed coin, I think we go Zimbabwe. I actually, uh, I know that, and I'll be honest, I'll be brutally honest with you. I know there's a lot of detractors of your message right now who say you're doom and gloom, but I personally deeply share doom and gloom. And I think that hyperinflation is coming. And I think a Zimbabwe type situation or a 1929 Weimar Germany situation is coming because of the, uh, because of the actions of the Fed. Anybody that says I'm doom and gloom doesn't know, they don't know I'm an optimist. I, I, no, no, I'm, I don't want you. To, I don't uh, want you to take it. Well, you're smiling. No, you obviously don't take it as an insult. But I want you to. You do know that people say this about you, and I, I, I actually am on your side. I'm a marine. I can't understand what they say anyway. But no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how stupid. How fucking stupid they are. Right? <laughs> you make you make your money when it crashes. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm getting sexually stimulated. Think about the crash that's coming. So can I ask you a follow-up question on that, actually? Because um, in 2014, I started buying real estate. I was a little bit, uh, you know, I was still green. It was my first cycle. And I said, man, these things are all overpriced. How come everybody isn't doing this? And people were really scared. And I mean, this is an anecdotal experience based on the people I knew. But the, the, the market environment and consumer confidence was really low, even though asset prices were really low. Now, asset prices are really high, Right. Things are inflated. We know there's inflation. We know there's risk. And people seem more confident than ever. And that, to me, is backwards. So exactly. is, that, is that me being crazy? and Or is that me being stupid and I don't realize what everybody else knows? Or is that me being smart and everybody else is being crazy? Well, you're not bad for an army guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, these, these guys, gotta, they got to grow up. Markets go up and markets come down. And so when do people, when do the suckers buy? They buy at the highest point. So I'm a doom and gloomer saying to people, hey, be careful. This is an all-time high. Oh, you're a pessimist. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the crash. Oh, you're so doom and gloom. I'm going, like I was at a party the other night, and this young couple come up to me. This is in Phoenix, Arizona. And they're 
they took some some guy's real estate course. They give me the jargon, you know, my cap rate is this, my this is this, and this and this and this. And I and I said, so what is around your property? And I said, look, I if I were you right now, I'd be very careful because you're buying at the top. Oh no, real estate always goes up. I'm going. Are you shitting me? That's the motto of the 2008 collapse. Oh, right? It only goes up. So I get, you know, I, you know, some guys look at porno. I look at crashes. I get all excited. <laughs> you know? you know, I said, "Oh my God, everything's on sale! Lovely, lovely, lovely." <laughs> so that's why I crack them as I'm a pessimist. Oh, I'm really gosh. very excited about the coming crash because I'll make more money. Uh, well, I'm glad I got to ask you that honestly because um, I deeply agree with you, and I. I've been doing less real estate in the last year and a half than I did. And I find more and more people reach out to me and saying, Alex, what are you doing in real estate? And getting all excited about real estate. And what are we going to do? And what kind of deals are you closing? And I'm like, I'm doing less than ever. And people seem more excited than ever. And then they look at me like I'm, they look at me like I'm a sucker for not participating when the market, I look at it and go, it's just too hot to handle. It's too much. It's, it's the margins are tight and the deals are harder to find. The money is going to be made at the bottom, not at the top. And Zillow just defaulted on 7,000 rentals. I, I was about to ask what your thought was on that. Well, to me, that's a t- the top is in. You know, oh, you're a pessimist. I'm going, no, I'm just waiting for all that crap to hit the bottom so I can buy some more of it. But I'm a pessimist at the top and an optimist at the bottom. Well, Buffett says that, you know, be, be without it, whether everybody's happy and all this stuff. It's really true. I'll tell you a quick story because I went to I grew up in Hawaii. I go to school in New York. And I didn't know what black guys were. I didn't know what Jews were. I didn't know any of this. I, I just know you're either white or you're Asian. That's all we knew. So I, I'm, I'm in school in New York. Everybody's yelling about these Jews. And I said, what's a Jew? I don't know what a Jew is. You know, how can I be prejudiced? I don't know what the heck they are. So I said, well, that guy's a Jew there. So his name was Al. I said in my classmates, I said, Al, what's a Jew? He says, oh, this, this, this. I still understand what they are. But anyway... I said, so what happened to your family? He says, well, in 1930, Adolf Hitler came to Berlin. He became chancellor in 33. And my family says, we're out of here. So in 1930, his family moved to New York. And then Hitler came to power in 33, the same year that Franklin Delano Roosevelt, that communist, came to power also. So I said, so what did your family learn? He says, well, the pessimist left Berlin they came to New York and became very rich. And the optimists went to Auschwitz. <laughs> I said, got it. You know, you have to be both optimistic and pessimistic. And all the idiots right now at the top of the stock, stock market is all time high. Tesla's like $10 trillion or whatever it is. Real estate is at all time high. What's wrong with this picture? Nothing. But all the idiots are running in right now, and Zillow just defaulted on 7,000 properties. It's interesting that you brought up the, that example for optimism, because I immediately think of uh, Viktor Frankl's comment about how the people who didn't make it out of the concentration camp were all the optimists who thought yeah. you know, the end was right around the corner. Kind of an interesting perspective change when you think about you know, how everyone, they always say not to be negative, always be optimist, but like there's a, right. there's a, there's a balance there for sure. Let me, let me just say one of the biggest problems, you know, I, I really hated school. I'm glad I went to military school. I, w- I would never make it through S- Snowflake University. 
But all this stuff with gender and gender pronouns and all that, that that's killing us. It's killing us. Let me, let me tell you why. I went to Sunday school. I, I didn't do well in Sunday school either, but they said, you know, the word becomes flesh and dwelt amongst us. And then I was, telling, I was a student of Dr. Arbuck, Mr. Fuller, and he says words are the most powerful tools because words affect your brain. So what the liberals are doing right now is they're using this gender bias to force us to change our words. They don't give a shit about transvestites and all that transgenders. It's they want to change our words, gender pronouns. And when they can change our words, they've got us. So never let anybody change your words because the most powerful thing you have is that the real estate between your left ear and your right ear, you got no assets for liabilities, but what gender pronoun, I don't care. And I don't want to learn it. So I refuse to let any of these SLB, communist, pinko, liberal college professors change my words. Fuck you guys. I uh, choose my words carefully. So when I'm an optimist, I'm an optimist. When I'm a pessimist, I'm a pessimist. And I don't care who you sleep with tonight. I could give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're fiery dude. I like it. I like it. <laughs> You're a fiery dude. It's the, it's um, the Marine. I think... Um, I, I think I'll, tell you, Alex, I'll tell you something else. You know, Marines are assholes. You know that, right? We think we're pretty hot. So I, I, when I got to Vietnam, I got I got assigned to an army army. Uh, forget the name of the. And you guys can fight. I was so impressed. I, I flew the, I, I got out of the Marine helicopter and I flew with the Army Cobra. I was so I was so impressed with the way you guys fight, but we all speak the same language, and that's why the power of words. So when they're trying to change our words and they do it through gender biasing, they're messing us up. Don't uh, let anybody change your words. So yeah. one of the one of the things that um uh, people like to talk about censorship, 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 yeah, censorship. Yeah, but yeah. but to your point, actually, um, what people don't talk enough about is compelled speech. Meaning, uh, they they worse than controlling what you can't say is making you is telling you what you have to say. Yes. Yes. Far, far worse. Yes. And, and that's why what you guys are teaching in the military, anybody who's been in the military has got a head start because they understand what it's like to be disciplined, at least. They have some sense of it. And I would not be successful today if I hadn't gone to the academy and spent six years flying for the Marine Corps. That's where I got my discipline. And when somebody tries to mess with my words or be politically correct, don't you mess with my words. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Fuck you. You you change your own fucking words, but don't change mine. Every oh, time, David, David and I go to a lot of real estate conferences, and every time we go, we find very organically, we find ourselves in a group of military guys. Uh, it's it's six, six to ten of us, and it's every single time, and it's completely unplanned, and we end up uh, hanging out with each other because we all speak the same language and we have the same uh, lot of thick skin. There's a lot of thin skin in the world right now. And I think those all go hand in hand with what you're saying. 
you know, this political correctness is that they're really trying to pretend that they're really kind and all this. But political correctness means you treat everybody as kids, as little children. You got to say nice things and all this. And when I studied at military school was that uh, sometimes you have to kill people. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so I was talking, you know, I, we, I, I never killed anybody. I, I didn't carry a, a weapon. I mean, I carried a 38 special big fucking deal, you know, but uh, when we call in, when we call in airstrikes, we wiped out a lot of people and they go, well, sometimes you have to kill them. And so what they defund the police and all this stuff they're doing right now. Do you know what the stats are? In 2019, police killed nine unarmed blacks, nine. In 2014, it was 14. In 2020, it was 14. But how many black-on-black murders were there? It was 270 black-on-black murders to one white cop murder. And they just distort the facts. So that's what I fight for, is I want the freedom of the press, the freedom to say what I want to say, and not be censored. That's what I fight for. You want to be a communist? Free country. You want, to, you want to be a tranny? Free country. Who you sleep with? None of my business. That's how I hold life. And I want to be a millionaire and pay no taxes? That's my business. <laughs> All right. So I know uh, we're running a little long here, and I know you got to get run out of your busy man. I got two questions for you. Um, the first one is, is more, you know, is a super short answer. I just, out of pure curiosity, was the, uh, was the 53 a piece of shit in Vietnam too, or is it just because of how old they are? Well, no, it depended upon how fucked up the pilot was. <laughs> was, was he sober or drunk when he was flying? <laughs> all right. That, that works. I, I hate to tell you that, but it was it uh, pilot. I, I rode in a 53 uh, quite a few times, but I'd never forget the first time I got on it and I'm getting sprayed with hydraulic fluid. And they were like, nah, that's good. When it stops spraying you with hydraulic fluid, that's when you got to worry. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a great ride. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey. uh, I, I, I don't regret ever that, that all that time I spent in Vietnam, I'm glad I did it. Because, you know, they're life changing. You, you see stuff nobody should ever see, really. You know, I remember the first time I met a vac, this army guy out, he got hit with a 50 cal. Oh, my God. Mm. You know? And then, and then you come back home and I got spit on in California. And, and that's why I'm still fighting. If you could get my attitude here, I fight for our freedom. And freedom of financial freedom is worth it. And that's why I was happy to come on your program here. Because if you can get free from job security, you're free. You know, like, like I said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Because I got a Lear 60 and I can fly anywhere in the world because my money is already offshore. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> hey, Robert, can I? <laughs> Dude, this guy. Hey, so look, um, this has been the least, you are the least pandering guest we have had by far. <laughs> Yeah. And I and I'm very grateful for that. But uh, you're right. We live in a changing um, politically correct environment. Is it affecting your ability to? Um, I mean, this is kind of a personal question, but is it affecting? You're a very famous guy. 
who should be able to get interviews, no problem. Is it affecting your ability um, to get a voice in the media because you're saying things that are non-pandering? No, I, I actually thrive on it. I love it. I can tell. I love it. I but, love does, it. But, but do other people, um, do they shy away from you now? I hope so. <laughs> Dude, you're my, fucking, you're my fucking spirit animal right now. You know that? Well... <laughs> No, it was the reason I talk about, you know, being a little surfer kid from Hilo, Hawaii. I was not a wimp, but I was just happy-go-lucky kid. And thank God the military. God bless them. I mean, they shaped me up. I got court-martialed twice. Uh, I have an honorable discharge. But I had some very serious disciplinary problems. And the thing I loved about the Marine Corps is they don't give a shit. You know, you fucked up, you pay the price. And God bless them, because I needed that. I needed the threat of going to jail and being dishonorably discharged and all this. And I wasn't doing anything really wrong. Just flying women and drop, flying women in my helicopter and getting drunk. What's wrong with that? (laughs) 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 Nothing. (laughs) Nothing at all. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> oh my goodness! Anybody, right. anybody, anybody who's a rebel at heart has a place in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so 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 one last question for you, and I know this one could have a huge answer, so uh, definitely no no need for that. More of a, uh, but I'm just curious, like if you were <clears throat> if you were an 18 year old service member right now, looking to become you know get started in investing. What do you think your strategy would be? Would you focus in on real estate? Would it be more dollar cost into Bitcoin, gold, silver? What, where, where would you want to throw your money right now? I would, I would start with the cash flow game right now because you have to understand this. This is your ticket. It's called a financial statement. How do I borrow three hundred million dollars? Well, because I have a financial, I have a balance sheet. So when I walk into my banker. And I got millions of dollars, billions sitting here. They'll lend me what I want. But you have a a weak balance sheet. Again, everybody focuses on income statement. This is income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flow. All Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a book on accounting. That's all it is. So all the yo-yos are focusing up here, the college professors who have no money. And the college professors hate rich guys because they don't know what this is here. You see, the rich focus on the balance sheet and the, the bureaucrats and the school teachers focus on income statement and get out of debt and all this other stuff. You know? So if you're going to be starting out, you've got to know the difference between income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flow. And once you get that inside your head, you're a changed person. So that's why I'm, I'm thrilled. That, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad was written after we created the cash flow board game. Because if you can get your mind into this here, assets versus liabilities, you're free man or woman or tranny. I don't care. I just want your freedom. I, if I, all you have is a job, you're not holding. Yeah. I love you're this answer. not free. Because so people ask in my group all the time, like, oh, I have $1,000 to invest in. What do I invest in? And my answer is always education. Yes. If you only have $1,000, spend it on learning like if you have to ask this question, then the answer is you need to figure it out. Like you need to educate yourself, get around people that are doing what you want Amen. to do. Let me, let me leave you this because, you know, when I was seven years old, 
I was having trouble in Sunday school also. Again, disciplinary problems. I just couldn't, I just couldn't drink the Kool-Aid, you know. So I'm sitting there and this school, the Sunday school teacher, she asked this question, she says, why were the three wise men wise? And so I raised my hand, I said, because they were rich. She says, no, 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 no. Why were the three wise men wise? She says, they were rich. She goes, why do you say they were rich? So I look at her, I said, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. They came loaded, man. They, they, they came loaded with frankincense, gold, and myrrh. They were rich guys. And she goes, no, no, no. I said, so what's the answer? And she said the most profound things. It changed my life. She says, they're rich because they always sought the best teacher. So the, I'm not going to pump Christianity or anything, freedom of religion, but they were seeking the best teacher. And so all you young guys right now, the most powerful tool on planet Earth is this thing here called an iPhone. You can access... Or an Android. You can, access, <laughs> you, can, you can jump onto YouTube and all this stuff, and you can access some of the smartest guys on planet Earth, and you don't have to have a college degree. You don't, you don't have to have student loan debt, but the greatest teachers are on this, sure, the biggest crooks and con men, but always search for the best teachers. So when I when I when I heard about your podcast and what where what it worked because I don't I'm not, not techie, if you're talking to military guys, you've, military guys have already got one way down the road. It's called discipline. Yep. You've got to have discipline, and when you fuck up, pay the price. Yes, I did it. Screw up. Move on. And so that's that's what our schools lack, and courage. They want you to be PC. You know, don't hurt anybody's feelings and all this. Bullshit. And go for your freedom. Man. Freedom is worth going for. I love it. Robert, this has been uh, everything I could have asked for. I appreciate it. This has been really <laughs> everything fun. I could have asked for and more. This has been a lot of fun. Wow. Thank you so I, much for joining us today. Yeah. Anytime I can support you guys, I'd be happy to because you're talking to the audience that I would love. To, I love talking to. Robert, we're going to have you back here in one year. That's gonna. We're gonna do. We're gonna call you in a year. We're gonna have you do a recap. Okay. <laughs> uh, this was you. You actually you lived up to the hype, my friend. I'm very excited that we did this together. I'm very thankful. Well, no, I'm thankful for you guys too, because you you guys teach courage, freedom, and that's what we need today. Thank, Thank you very thank much. You. Keep up the good work. Semper Fi, brother. Semper Fi. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.